0: You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer and Mark Alderman.
1: Mark, Caitlin, and Patrick, it is March 12th, Friday, another happy hour edition of The Beltway Briefing. The Michigan Wolverines, you knew I would bring them up of their first Big Ten tournament win in the books. Very exciting. A good comeback. Juwan Howard got tossed, but otherwise, otherwise a strong game.
0: The Villanova Wildcats have their first Big East tournament loss in the books, which yeah, is the not only good. one they get <laughs> since they've been home.
1: And Sophie Schweitzer got upset with me today and told me that she's going to throw out all my suits to which I educated her that she should please go ahead and do that because I don't intend to ever get back into one.
0: Ember is coming, Howard. Uh, But
1: setting that aside, guys, Harry and Meghan or the monarchy? Caitlin.
2: (laughs) Oh, this is a loaded one. Um, It's easy. Look, she knew what she was getting into. She did her research. Um, America wins again. Let's leave it there. That's my take. That's my right, hot Mark, take.
1: Mark, Harry and Meghan Harry, or the monarchy? Harry and Meghan. Yeah, of course we know which way not
0: you're going, Mark. Not even close. Patrick, cancel the monarchy. I
3: I got to I got to just say, I mean, I did watch the interview, but I would direct everyone to Joanna Weiss's piece in Politico because she nailed it. Conservatives are siding with the monarchy, liberals are siding with Harry and Meghan we literally can't agree on anything ever. And it's just, Must it's it's so fascinating because I, that has held up with pretty much everyone I've talked to. And then people who are kind of more centrist like myself, I'm kind of seeing it both ways a little bit. So it's... So where, uh,
0: Patrick, where do you stand on Dr.
1: Seuss? <laughs> I'll take a God.
3: pass on that.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm going Harry and Megan because even though you know that, um, I mean, first of all, you know that it's true. You know that it's all true. There's no question that it's all true. It doesn't mean that they've got clean hands, but you know, it's all true. So I'm going, I mean, it's just got, it's gotta be miserable. It's gotta be miserable. Like fine, you're privileged, you have money, but being under that spotlight I'm sure she's no walk in the park, but being under that spotlight, man,
0: it's gotta be tough. All kidding aside, uh, it's very important, I think, and this is why it's such an easy call for me. This is about her wrestling with suicidal thoughts and being told to behave. That's the core of what went wrong here in my view and that is no no laughing matter no so, it's not yeah so uh, apart from all of the more sensational issues like how dark skinned her baby might be at the core of this is that a young woman was struggling with suicidal thoughts and was told by her in-laws to just shut up and behave
3: can i i, I do want to mention Big win for Oprah, and I love me some Oprah. Uh, you know, I'm a, total, I'm a total homer. Uh, you know, she's a big part of Chicago culture, and I, I love Oprah. My family loves Oprah. Everyone I know loves Oprah. And I mean, she what's not to love? To still command <laughs> to, to be neighbors with them in Santa Barbara and get this interview, and she is just there's no one like her. Uh, no. Nah. It, she's it's just truly unique.
1: It's. I thought I'd start there because it's just so much fun to talk about someone else's problems instead of our own for once. Oh no! Way. But let's pivot to, to something our, more to,
2: serious. Topics
1: to our own problems. I I find the monarchy endlessly fascinating, but we'll pivot to our own issues. Mark, you you had a busy week on the uh, Senate Democratic circuit. You were on zooms with a number of Senate Democrats this week. I know you had some interesting conversations. Uh, Tell us about them and then let's talk about what emerged from those from a kind of decision perspective for the Democrats.
0: Good, sure. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be able to talk this week to Senator Heinrich, Senator Whitehouse, Senator Markey and Senator Coons and what Came away. What I came away with from those conversations most fundamentally was that there's a raging debate in the Democratic Party, in the Senate, in Congress mm-hmm. at, at large, and in the White House, and then triangulated among those three places, a raging debate about whether after the success with the COVID bill, to continue without pausing, to take a breath, to barge on uh, into a bigger bill, a bolder bill on climate and infrastructure, and to just start reconciling that bill right now without any effort to bring along any Republicans on the one hand, or on the other hand, whether to hit pause and whether to pass go and collect $200 and try to get some actual bipartisan bills passed with 60 votes, uh, meaning 10 Republicans, at least in the Senate, and build back up towards the big, The big bill and the second reconciliation of the year. I think it is something that uh, is ultimately, of course, about the filibuster. If you favor filibuster reform, you want to barge ahead and see what happens. If you don't, then you know you're going to need 10 Republicans and you want to start there. But it is a debate that that is going to dictate what happens next uh, on the hill.
1: So. One thing you said in there is after the success with the covid bill, was it was it a success? I mean, they got they got it passed, but. I we will well, see it's whether it's, we'll see whether it, it was a legislative success, I guess, but now the, now the, the money rolls and the policy gets executed and, and time will tell whether it was successful or not. It's just a piece of legislation.
0: Well, it's a massive piece of legislation. Yeah. Is that
1: good, Mark?
0: Yes. It's good because because it's what the country needs, because it's what the times require, because we are somewhere in a pandemic. We all hope on our way out of it because there's still tremendous suffering that this bill addresses. And I don't see you can be for it or against it, but I don't see how you can call it anything other than. A successful execution of the president's commitment to take care of the people who, who need help.
1: Well, many Democrats have come out this week, Nancy Pelosi being one, and and said that this is the most transformative piece of legislation in, in a generation. That's not about COVID. That's about progressive policies. That's about baking in a whole bunch of other stuff that has nothing to do with COVID. So yeah, half the bill is about COVID. No,
0: but but half the bill isn't. No, no, no. Financially far, far more than half the bill is about COVID. But yes, of course there's money uh, spent on other things. Black farmers, for example, a subject Caitlin and I are familiar with and involved in that. It, it, it's a little bit of a stretch to make that a COVID-only issue, but yeah, there are other items in this bill. But financially, Howard, the 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 COVID, the relief checks and the unemployment uh, money, and the state and local aid is all COVID-related. There's
1: a lot of debate about. There's a lot of debate about that. Including among Democrats like Larry Summers, for example, there's a lot of debate about whether this was too much. And and time will tell. I mean, we I've talked to a couple of clients this week, Mark, that said that they're already facing inflationary pressure right. in their supply chains. Right. And I, you know, I I don't know that we needed to do two trillion
0: dollars. Uh well, if you didn't, if you didn't like that one, you're really going <laughs> to struggle with the next one, which uh, will be paid for, which is a—that's a, a huge difference. A huge, of course, it's a huge difference. It isn't necessarily a, uh, a an antidote for inflationary pressure, although obviously deficit spending is more inflationary than pay-for spending. But yeah, it, it, it is a difference and and the next one uh, will be bigger but but paid for. And fair enough to say we'll see. That's true of of every piece of legislation, transformative or not. But I I th- I am very proud of of the president and and the party for delivering on the promise that that was made to the American people in the campaign.
1: I mean, I don't want to monopolize the conversation. I'm sure Joe Biden is glad to have your being proud of him, but
0: I tried to get it's him a freaking it. layup,
1: Mark. Like, I mean, they control both houses of Congress and the white house. What are you proud of? Like, this wasn't well, hard. No, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with
3: that. It wasn't a layup. Um, I mean, to get with the congressional margins they have to get everyone on board, I, I think that is a political achievement um, when you're when you have literally no margin for error. Um, but the degree of the legislative achievement, what impact it has, I agree with what you said, Howard, we're not going to know that for a while. I think everyone should just take a step back and think about, I mean, from the Trump administration into the Biden administration, regardless of how you feel about uh if it's too big or too small or whatever, I mean, we've spent over $5 trillion responding to the pandemic adjusted for inflation that exceeds what was spent during World War II. And that is something to uh, take a moment and consider. Uh, And I think we're going to all be thinking about that for a long time. and, And I just hope for the country's sake that it works. Caitlin,
1: jump in. I know you want to. Uh,
2: Howard, you're you're doing such a great job making my points today. Um, look, it was a I saw a, a pretty clear juxtaposition last night with, you know, earlier in the day, President Biden signing this 1.9 trillion dollar bill, which, in a lot of Republicans' views, is loaded with bailouts for blue states and a lot of uh miscellaneous irrelevant non-covid related spending and i think then we saw in the evening him speak about the great success we're having with vaccinations and how you know by may 1 he's calling for states to open up so that anyone that that should be eligible for a vaccine and getting back to normal by July 4th. I have real deep concerns that there's a lot in this bill, money that isn't even set to be spent until 2021, 2022. Um, There's still money in the previous package that was signed into law in December that hasn't been spent. It just feels like one step forward and two steps back. You know, we need to, uh, states are reopening, folks are getting back to work and, and we're continuing. We saw some moderation there with the debate about that number of, for the extended unemployment and I think they reduced it from $400 a week to $300 a week. But our goal first and foremost should be getting folks back to work, back to their offices, back to you know, not relying on, on the government for support. So it just felt like a, a an odd juxtaposition because in one, we've got all this positive news on one hand, and then on the other hand, we are, um, you know, dumping 1.9 trillion in spending into the economy.
1: So much more on a relative basis, Mark, than the rest of the world. So much more. Like dwarfs the rest of the world on a rel- relative to GDP, dwarfs the rest of the world in term in economic terms and I think that the I I understand it's it's a, a popular bill because when you put money in people's pockets it's popular but this country I think is gonna live to regret having passed this this bill and it may take some time to come to that conclusion, but it's 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 too well, big.
0: I will, I will simply observe that you do have standing to make that prediction as the former COO of the TARP. You come from a a background of of what I think was a very necessary and successful. A trillion-dollar program, close eight hundred uh, billion, I think, if I remember correctly. So I, I think the spend We heard all the same things in two thousand nine, about the Recovery Act and about TARP. And Not, those are and I think, But go I ahead. think they were both successes. But time, time will tell. Time will tell. Well, TARP. Joe pay- Biden got elected president on for many reasons, one of which was the promise to do exactly what he did. And delivering on that promise is what I think the American people expected and now approve of if the polling is any indication. But but sure, it's fair to say that you don't know what the effect of something is 10 years out until you get 10 years out. So. Do you think TARP was a mistake? Was the American- no? That didn't
1: cost the taxpayer anything. No, it didn't cost the taxpayer a single cent at the end of the day. The American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. Yeah, I think that was a mistake. You know why? Not because they didn't spend enough money, because they gave it to the states and it went into all sorts of unnecessary projects
2: Sounds that, familiar.
1: Yeah, that Thank never you. got executed and there was money sloshing around in the system but it wasn't adequately spent. The mechanism was bad. And that's kind of what's going on here too. And and so no, I well, think Tarp well, wait, was a, wait, a okay. Tarp was about stabilizing the financial system. That had a we had a singular mission this is about, it's supposed to be about pandemic response and something is necessary. And, and what's done in the, what's been done in the past may not be sufficient, but I I just think it's too much. And I think I, I don't see how, you know, with Nancy Pelosi going out there and saying, this is the most transformative piece of legislation in a generation that you can talk about this being a COVID bill.
0: The majority of the money by far, I haven't seen. Well, then why
1: is she saying that? Yeah, I'll just, that, I'll just, I'll great. throw out there.
3: I have tremendous respect for the speaker uh, no. as a political tactician and manager of a caucus. I'm not really sure why she said that. I mean, she, she is known to say things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in speeches and in interviews that sometimes are just kind of awkwardly worded. And I'm going to put that in that bucket. Uh,
0: but yeah, we- better than than quoting Nancy Pelosi to uh, to critique the bill. I think your economic critique is
1: speaker of the house. Oh, she! <laughs> I like her. I like her. I, I
0: actually yeah. have a lot of respect for her.
1: I mean, as a as a manager, like you said, Patrick, as a manager of her caucus, and as I think she played a vital role in keeping Trump in check over the last four years, I have a lot of, I have much more respect for her now than I ever have. It's not really about her. She's a Speaker of the House. That's what she said about the bill. And that's, she's not the only one. And I, I just, I just think it's, it's problematic. But what does come next?
3: I'm willing to have a more muted view about if it's going to work or not, because, I mean, that's predicting the future. Who the heck knows? I, I sure hope it does. On whether the Democrats will play a political price for this, I don't think so. I don't think they would. I don't think they really paid a price after the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. Yes, they I think did. Was, Republicans it,
2: immediately took back the House pretty Yeah, but there there. there's
3: something that happened in between that. Yeah. I seem yeah. to remember a huge debate on healthcare reform <laughs> well, that kind of was, too. that was what did it. Caitlin, the Republicans have no credibility on spending, zero. They are like, that. the Republican Whoa. position on spending is the most, I mean, people just don't believe them because anytime Republicans get in power, they throw that position completely out the window. So no one, they don't come to it with any credibility at all. So no one cares that they're complaining that this is too big. Like they don't care. The public's for it. The Democrats had the votes and they passed it. And that's, Listen, I mean,
2: we'll see if the public is still for it in the next couple well, of months. It'll be interesting to track that polling. Oh, incidentally, see what happens.
0: Arithmetically, conveniently, coincidentally, it's a hundred billion dollars less than the Trump tax cuts. <laughs> OK, so all you got to do is repeal those and you can pay for this, Howard, if that's what you and Caitlin are worried about. So saying that putting $2 trillion into the economy in a COVID relief package with bells and whistles, it was a Christmas tree, other stuff got hung on it, it's just, it's kind of funny to say that that's too much. By the way, we got a bunch of other stuff hung on it, which (laughs)
1: I'm very proud of. A
0: $2 trillion tax cut wasn't too much. So- it, it's what i'm I'm ratifying what Patrick just said. It's kind of entertaining to hear Republicans complain about spending two trillion dollars on things other than the the rich and and
1: corporate. Uh, yoy, Mark. I mean, oh look, gosh. I agree with you. They aren't going to pay a political price in the short term. it's this is too long term a thing. But now they're talking about doing a massive infrastructure bill, which the country, if they do it right, the country needs it desperately. I mean, our infrastructure is crumbling everywhere and, and we need, we need to be smarter. Um, but I, you know, is that, is that the right thing to do? And what do you think happens next, Mark? I mean, you, what a, what a white house and marquee and, Heinrich and others, what are they saying? What do they want to see get done?
0: Well, what uh, Senators Heinrich, White House, and Markey want to see is the Build Back Better program legislated, the Biden campaign Mm -hmm. program of building back better, and Mm -hmm and rebuilding infrastructure in a climate-friendly and carbon-safe way and spending more than was just spent on the COVID bill and and paying for it, and paying for it uh, in, in a number of ways, including a repeal of some of the, the Trump tax cuts. But that program isn't going to get 10 Republican votes in the Senate, I don't think. That is a reconciliation proposition. And the question is whether that's the direction that the uh, leadership goes. Senator Coons, on the other hand, thinks that's a mistake. He thinks that we should catch our breath, try to get some things done with 10 Republicans in the Senate and at the end of the day in the fall if there's stuff that didn't get done that needs to that is reconcilable that that passes the bird test then then do it then i think uh, i think the former view is likely to prevail i think the the momentum and the pressure to continue spending money and spending it without republicans if necessary is is probably going to prevail, but it's a debate. It is a debate that is happening not just in the Senate and in the House, but in the White House. There there are two sides to that story, but uh, I'm I'm betting uh, I'm betting they're just going to keep going. Certainly, as Patrick and Caitlin and, and you know Howard, the bills are being written. It's very interesting. <laughs> it is very. It, 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 we're going to be very busy. It's
1: ironic that we're talking about the filibuster because that was kind of a filibuster. Uh, But Caitlin, what what say you?
2: Look, I I love all these big, bold, beautiful ideas, um, but I think there's a lot of Americans out there that are just focused on getting their kids back in school, frankly. Um, I think we need to get back to the basics. Congress needs to do its job and ensure that folks are, you know, I I worry about, we know OSHA is going to be putting out some, really, we expect pretty stringent workplace guidelines next week. You know what wasn't in this $1.9 trillion COVID relief package? Liability reform for small businesses. Folks are trying to open and get back to work, and Congress hasn't provided them the protections. And I I worry OSHA is going to take it a step further and make it even harder with some really stringent, really onerous requirements for, for folks to reopen. And, and I think we need to get back to the basics. And yes, infrastructure is needed, surface transportation re authorization is also needed that's something they were able to get through on a bipartisan basis last year let's start with the basics and and i i firmly think that we need to do this in a bipartisan way the continued use of reconciliation is going to lead to some interesting electoral outcomes in my view in 2022 but we shall see
3: patrick what a lot of B words, by the way. Big, bold, beautiful, build back better. Build back better. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that.
1: um be best. Be best. So, Thank God be we don't best. have to listen to that anymore. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. Where's our Be Best program, by the way, Caitlin? What happened?
3: So, my view is um that while I would like to see that, while I agree with Senator Coons that going, uh, a bipartisan route on infrastructure, um, is, is a better way for a number of different reasons, not just because it feels good, but because I actually think you'll get a better, you'll get to get a better plan that way. Not, not having to try and go through the rules of reconciliation. The reality though is I don't think you're getting 60 votes, uh, on pretty much anything that is quote big. It, it, it's just not going to be there the closer we get to the election. So then it's, it's a question of what can you do using reconciliation on infrastructure? Um, what's going to pass muster and can you hold all 50 um, to do? And, and that becomes a political question to Caitlin's point about the impact that has in the election. We talked about a couple minutes ago about the the 2010 midterms. And what I remember feeling was the country was willing to give the Obama administration a little bit of room to respond to something that was that was awful, which was the financial crisis. But when it started to seem aspirational and historic, the, that is where they started to lose people. And regardless of the merits of passing the bill the way they did and the ultimate outcome, and I I happen to believe uh, the Affordable Care Act, you know, is is a very good thing. Uh, on the whole the poli- if we're talking about the politics of it um, you know passing it with 60 votes on christmas eve and then using reconciliation to get it done it did have significant political consequences in the midterms and i think if the country feels like the democrats are going way too far on something aspirational that isn't isn't responding and, and you know someone would say well our infrastructure problems. It, we do need a response to that. That's the same thing they said with healthcare. The public draws a distinction between something they're living every day, like the financial crisis and the pandemic, and something that is a little more complicated to understand, like healthcare and infrastructure. And so, I, I think it will. They will pay a political price if they go uh, the reconciliation route. But my guess is, if they, if something happens, that's the only way they're going to get it done.
0: It's come there. There will be a second reconciliation
3: bill. Oh, no, no doubt about that. Period. Yeah. It's just a matter Period. of what it, what the it question looks like
0: is whether it's a cleanup reconciliation or whether it's the whole enchilada itself.
3: But and by the way, on the filibuster, it's just kind of, I was talking to someone about this yesterday, a client of ours. I said, we, ha- we we're having all this debate about the filibuster all the time. And it seems like the only way we read we legislate anymore is through reconciliation. So it's yeah. almost like we've already made the decision.
0: Well, the filibuster yeah. is not getting repealed. No, I, I read some brilliant commentary on that in a piece called "Currents." Uh, I don't know who writes. It was in it. Currents. It, it was very, very brilliant commentary and spot on. It's not getting repealed. Center, and center, mansion. Period. 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 Are not repealing it. Whether it gets reformed, uh, whether it's back to the future and Rand Paul can no longer call in from an airport and filibuster, whether you have to actually take the floor, hold the floor, do it the old fashioned way. But but it isn't going away, even if it's reformed. And and that reform isn't going to suddenly bring 10 votes.
3: Right. And and that's a good point, Mark. I mean, you could see the Democrats trying to do something like that, but the, but the ultimate threshold, which is our will, will 60 votes continue to be required to end debate and move to a vote that yes. that will continue. I, I, I agree with you.
1: Meanwhile, just to put another topic on the table, the um, there's a lot of talk now about drug pricing reform and the potential revenue that drug pricing reform can, can generate for the country uh, from a budgetary perspective and or, or save, um, not generate, but save. Um, there's also a lot of talk about antitrust enforcement and big tech. And it just kind of hit me this morning, guys, that if, if two industries deserve credit for having gotten us out or, or through the last year, it's big tech and big pharma. pharma. Um, And no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I saw the um, the Pfizer CEO on morning Joe yesterday. I don't know if any of you happened to happen to see that. Thought
2: you stopped Um, watching that Howard.
1: I did. I, I started again, Caitlin. I, I, I'm not into get up on ESPN, so I flip to <laughs> Morning Joe on occasion. Um, I mean, it's just amazing what it's just amazing what's been done, and and it's just I don't know the irony. The irony struck me. There are there are just a lot of interesting cross currents, Mark, running through the country right now. Um, there's a lot of reckoning yet to come and i 'm not saying positively or negatively that big tech and big pharma don't deserve one you know that that 's not a position it's just it's an observation that um the same industries that we have been leaning on heavily like who who could have made it through the last year without Amazon? Right. <laughs> Can you imagine? and right. and they're going to get taken to the woodshed and um i don't know it's it's an interesting it it continues to be an interesting time and i think just as you know you, you talked about 09 now now i'm filibustering you know my view was coming out of the financial crisis that the the workout the political workout and the economic workout were both Long and deep and and had to be um I think this too, I think we're gonna be working out what's transpired here for a long time I, I understand the administration's progressive agenda, some of it may be good, some of it may be less good. It just doesn't seem it seems like to tie it back to our prior discussion there God, we gotta catch our breath, I mean. We, the country well, needs some transformation, but it sure—it sure feels to me like some breath catching is in order.
0: Uh, Senator Coons would certainly uh, agree with you, and maybe President Biden agrees with you. I mean, it's—it's it's, it's not a filibuster
1: here. point. It's a okay. Let's be transformative, but let's right. let let's also reflect a little bit.
0: Well, the problem, of course, is the calendar. Elections have consequences. There is a Democratic majority, although we keep saying that that's not even true. There is a tie in the Senate, but a Democratic vice president breaks the tie. There is no majority in the Senate and there is a four vote majority in the House. And neither of those things will be true after the midterm. It may get better, it may get worse, but it will change. The only thing that will be true is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be the president and vice president. And there is an urgency, Howard, and, and I know you, you uh, and Caitlin Patrick see this every day as I do in our work. There is an urgency to get things done now. Because once we hit a year from now, once we are a month or two into 2022, it's gonna be all reelect all the time. And whether the, the policymaking would benefit from a pause or not, I, I believe the political will to, to continue uninterrupted and unpaused is going to prevail. Patrick.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, um, I, I agree with both of you. I agree with what Mark is saying. I agree with Mark and that I think that is going to happen. I don't think the policymaking is going to slow down. Do I think it should? Um, you know, I, I think that what I, what well, my fear is, you know we're coming out of something awful that we've all experienced together as a country and instead of recovering together and sort of understanding the problems our neighbors are facing the businesses are facing the people's kids are going to be facing from from this year alone and everything else that it's immediately going to turn into like this blame game of who was responsible for it and and like we all lived this together, it was a pandemic. You know, it wasn't created by Democrats or Republicans. It just, it just impacted all of us. And I, I worry that, um, you know, the same way that health re- health care reform really divided the country politically, um, I, I'm worried that a continuation of that type of aggressive legislating is going to do the same, but whether or not I think that is irrelevant because I agree with Mark, it it is going to have is going to continue to happen. And Democrats are not going to, uh, waste, you know, what they consider to be, you know, probably their only opportunity to, to get things done. I think they're hopeful they're going to pick up seats, but it's amazing. They have 50 Senate seats to begin with. I, I was personally awaiting a very long period in the minority in the Senate, uh, for Democrats and I think they, you know, the map is just not it doesn't favor them. And so I think they're going to continue to try and get as much as they can done. But to Mark's point about Senator Coons, we talk about Mansion and Cinema, you got to get all 50 of them on board. Yep. And as we saw in passing this bill in the Senate, even this first thing that is very popular it was really hard. You had a miscommunication with mansion and it was up in the air for a little bit. How many times can they pull that shot off? I don't, I don't know.
1: We shall see uh, interesting discussion, spirited discussion. And um, there's going to be no shortage of things to talk about. We will leave it there for a Friday afternoon. And thanks everybody for joining us. Mark, Patrick, Caitlin. Have a great weekend, and we will be back next week. Go Blue. Go Blue. Go
0: Thanks, thanks, everyone. (laughs) You've been listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.